the parallels are so uncanny that it's it's almost like you want to you know slap people and be like you know be original for a second welcome to another episode of good is in the details i'm your host gwendolyn dolsky i hope you're all doing well i hope you're staying safe i hope you're not hoarding toilet paper and i hope you're wearing a mask wear a mask when you go out Now, in this crazy time, Rudy and I, we got back in touch with pop culture critic, writer, and professor Dahlia Schweitzer. You might remember her interview from episode seven, where we discussed her book, Going Viral, Zombies, Viruses, and the End of the World. And I mean, of course, we had to talk to her again. She literally wrote the book about viruses and pandemics in film, but there's parallels. They're a little creepy. So we get a chance to talk about that. Just some quick housekeeping. There's now a Facebook page for the pod. Please like it. Then you can keep updated on what's going on. And Rudy and I will be posting on there. There's an Instagram account. There's also an email. Good is in the details pod at gmail.com. And I want to give a shout out to Ben, the newest patron of the show. Thank you so much. He's my friend from grad school. That's very cool. We knew each other in Leuven. Absolute sweetheart. Thank you. And now here is part one of our interview with Dahlia Schweitzer. Dahlia, I'm looking at your book and this is insane. The parallels. It's insane. It's It's like when it all first started happening, I was like, is this like some weird Twilight Zone episode? Like it's it's insane. It's insane. Dahlia, (laughs) I, I I can't be the only person that has cited your book in the last month. Am I? There's no way. I mean, how many people have? I actually don't. You're the only one I know of. What? They're cur- these people are I know. crazy. It doesn't. It's weird. And um, I had I had one article that I think I maybe sent you that was in NBC News. That I, I don't know if you like, I don't know if you sent that to me. I'd love to see so it. I, I wrote um I wrote an essay for NBC News basically about the parallels between what was happening in real life and what's happening on screen. And I kind of thought that something would come out of that, you know, at the very least, like, you know, someone would reach out for a quote, but nothing. No, my goal is from this podcast and and sharing my article far and wide is Mm -hmm. for you to be inundated with phone calls and interviews because you- I want that. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm trying to help. (laughs) I kind of thought Rutgers would do more too, because obviously they're the ones- profiting off of it. I'll say something to this. So here's what I think is going on. Um, I've mentioned this before. There's this book that I know the author and I know him very, very well. It's the raffle and all that other type of stuff. And I talked to a couple people that have read the book and I've told them, Hey, why aren't you promoting that book? Like why, what's your, what's your problem right now when this book, this fictional book pretty much predicted everything that's happening in the world. You know what they told me? They said, the only thing I'm, I'm reading and promoting right now is comedy. I'm not kidding. Every, I think people are, are, don't want to know that people knew or were writing about this type of stuff out there. I think people want to go back to their weird, weird, like fantasy no. lives. That's what I think. I actually, I that's, what, that's what you would think. And that's what I'm doing. But like everyone I know is watching Contagion and Outbreak and Containment. Just it's like, I'm like, really? Just look outside your window. No, not, everyone's not, watching those movies. Not me. Not me. I'm telling you, everybody I know is day drinking, uh, is watching a whole <laughs> bunch of comedy films, uh, um, playing poker online, and tr- only limiting themselves to 15 to 20 minutes of the news. And nobody's watching scary movies. So you, at least, it sounds like we have way different 
friends and people dealing with this. Gwen, what about you? Yeah. What have you heard? Well, wait, I was just gonna say, Rudy, show your drink. Oh yeah, we're we're speaking of and day it drinking. Is, it's one oh, o'clock in the awesome. afternoon. <laughs> it, is, it is one o'clock in the afternoon, and I noticed that you were taking a sip of a tasty cocktail, Dahlia. What do, why don't you tell? Why don't you oh, tell I everybody just, what that? I, I just have water. Oh sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, this is water too. It's water mixed with white claw mango. But Gwen, what are your friends and family watching? Are they are they dealing with this by watching outbreak? Are they watching contagion? What's going on? No, I've heard people are trying to stay off the news because it is too hard. But also yeah. just talking to Dr. Tanzavati, she and her wife, they're watching comedy in the evening. Um, yep. Yeah, people are, I think in the beginning, people were obsessed with the news, with hearing more. But every single day, it's just bad, bad, bad. And so people are trying to do other things, like fill this void. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I know I just talked to somebody today and he was just saying, you know, cleaned out every junk drawer. I mean, just has like tried every hobby. It's just done so many things. That, yeah. Well, Dahlia, right. something I wanted to ask you before we even get into talking about, you know, viruses, how are you in New York? I mean, this must be a completely different reality for you. It is really, really, really surreal. Um, basically, I kind I don't really leave the house unless I'm mm -hmm. going to walk my dog. And so I periodically will forget that it's happening because obviously in my apartment, everything is normal. And then I'll like walk outside and I'll have forgotten to put on a mask and everyone's wearing masks. And I'm just like, oh, right, this is real. So it's totally, it's totally crazy. And it's like all the stores and restaurants are closed. Like all the gates are down. Was, I had this amazing shot. There was a guy playing tennis in the street uh, like two days ago. So there was so little traffic. So he was hitting a tennis ball against the side of a building. Uh -huh. um, it was genius. But no, it's so, I mean, and like now literally, I think 99% of people are wearing masks. Wow. So part of, what part of New York are you in? I'm in the Upper West Side. I'm kind of near Columbia. Oh, okay. Yeah. All the way up there. Okay. I lived, when I was there, I was in the Upper East Side, pretty close. I was off at 96th and 2nd. And okay. yeah, I mean, back then it was a war zone because they were building right. the 2nd Avenue subway. Um, mm -hmm. So there was just, it was just noise 24 seven. What I've heard about New York City, it's so eerily silent that you can hear the birds chirping when you go outside. You used to never be able to hear that, except, except there's one thing that I've heard that's really scary is the sirens. Is it true? Is it 24 hours? Um, I don't know if it's 24 hours. I mean, like right now it's totally silent, but it definitely, it definitely seems like there are more ambulances. I don't know if it's more because there's kind of no traffic, but there definitely seems to be a lot of ambulances. Also, I don't know if you read about that horrible organization, Samaritan's Purse. No. Like, no. They're, um, they're like the homophobic evangelical medical relief organization and so they created like a camp not too far from me in central park and it's like all these like white kind of vinyl tents yes i act what yes, is their I goal well they're 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 providing health services i think in connection with mount sinai i think i read an article about yes. is that what you're referring to exactly. dahlia yes. yes yes okay exactly but they have they apparently have a bad track record for their healthcare services. And like anyone who wants to work for them has to basically sign a pledge to Jesus Christ. And they have like, they hate, you know, gays and Muslims. And I mean, it's, it's like deeply problematic, but also very surreal because that's like, you know, a 15 minute walk from my house. 
Yeah, there was a big controversy about this. I read about this a little while ago because um, my wife, when she when we were living in New York, uh, she trained at Mount Sinai. So that's when she, that's where she oh, was a okay. that's where she did all of her general surgery training. We still have friends there. I mean, everything that's happening in New York and and the and our connection to New York is with the first responders and the healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've been following a lot of things. And yet, what Mount Sinai said is that no, you know, when we allowed this group to come in since they volunteered to set up these you know health camps is we made them sign statements saying that they won't discriminate against homosexuals and they won't discriminate against Muslims and they won't discriminate. Right. They signed all that, but so what? I mean, they signed something. It's, it's always their actions that, that I mean, who's who I in this day in, in a pandemic, who's going to enforce whether or not they're actually living by that. So that's, that, that sucks. That does suck. Yeah. So they're just like, they're like these little things that are surreal, you know, like the lines of people outside the grocery stores. Um, at 7 p.m., you have the clapping for the health workers. I mean, it, it's like the other day I was walking Broadway, which I hadn't done in a while, and I was like, oh, yeah, the subway. Like, I haven't taken the subway in weeks. Uh, I'd be very careful before you go down there. I mean, I, and oh, I'm no, no, I know. I'm not allowed to talk about this very much because they're a big client of the firm, but I have heard that the homeless have turned underground subway system into like an entire city. Like they're all living down there and it's like a whole weird dystopian thing really? going on. Yeah. There was a big article in the New York times about it the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I thought that they, a lot of them were being offered shelter to get them off the streets and stuff. I don't, I mean, London maybe it was that. The, Maybe it wasn't New York Times, but it was definitely an article that talked about how all the homeless are taking over like the truly abandoned, like nobody using subway stations right now. Right, 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 right. Well, London swept up everybody and put them in hotels. I don't know if you saw that image of people in Vegas where they put- yes, in the parking lot? Yes. When you have all these empty hotels- and it's just outrageous. But that's one of the things that the pandemic, I think, is going to reveal are these cracks in our in our that's, system. That's, I think, the most kind of terrifying part is because we could have been South Korea. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. literally, there's no justification for everything that's going on right now. Like, if South Korea could get it together, why couldn't we get it together? You know, it's like it's all the cracks in our infrastructure. Right. How are New Yorkers responding to the governor? Because it would be interesting to see what you guys think. I mean, I'm watching some of his press briefings. Everyone is in love with him. Okay. Which I don't totally understand. Like, I'm just, I feel like the bar is so low now that you have, <laughs> like, you have an authority figure who appears capable and it's like hero worship. Okay. You know, there's still, like, there's a lot that's problematic about Cuomo. And, um, like, for instance, uh, up until, like, two weeks ago, construction workers uh, were deemed essential by Cuomo. And so while all this was happening, construction workers were still going to work to build, you know, luxury lofts and commercial office space where they didn't even have, um, you know, like running water. I mean, just like insane stuff. And because Cuomo is basically like hand in glove with the, like the real estate market, with the developers. Okay. So he's, he's not perfect, but people are sort of like entranced. Oh my God, the video is crazy, Rudy. Yeah, this is this is what I was. This is, I'm sharing my screen right now. This is the I coronavirus see. update. The video shows homeless taking over car after car on the number two line. Like they're living in the oh, trains right now. Wow. Yeah, oh it's pretty. God. Yeah, no, it's pretty insane. I mean, it's um, it's crazy, and it's just getting worse because you know MTA, MTA workers are getting sick, and, and people just don't want to go down there, and they're just worried. It's 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 absolute insanity. And why are they down there? I think these are the ones that have not, New York has put 
uh, up to like 6,000 um, into local hotels. But these, I mean, right. let's just, you know, some homeless people are mentally ill and they don't, yeah, they don't, don't want, right. they don't want to be in a hotel. They don't want anybody to take care of them. So these, these are clearly the mentally ill ones that don't want to, you know, be taken care of. And they, they don't want to be on the, that they, they'd normally be on the sidewalk. Like where would they normally be? Yeah, they normally would be probably on the sidewalk. And, but now maybe, you know, Maybe they, maybe they, maybe, maybe like babies. I mean, Gwen can attest right. to this. They, they fall asleep better <laughs> with the rolling rides of the subway. I mean, I, you know, right, right, I, right. I, I have no idea, but it appears that they're down there and sleeping on those trains. What do you think That's is going to eventually happen? Do you think, do, could you see it going to a point where people are going to be testing the homeless? Like, you know, that it's not even voluntary, that people are, you know, that this is spreading and people go and test people oh, who are right. out on the street? What's crazy is that we don't have tests. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I have, I know multiple people who have symptoms who can't get tests. Right. Yeah, that's, you know? that, so that's like, correct. Yeah. So we're not even at a point where we're going to be like testing people who like don't even want to get tested or aren't, you know, going out of their way to like find a test or whatever. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I know people who like, you know, they call their doctor and their doctor's like, well, I don't have a test and your temperature is not high enough and the hospital's too dangerous. So just stay home. Yeah. As fantastic of a response that both New York and California and the other states that have really taken charge and started to shut some things down. I mean, I personally, I wish New York shut down earlier than California. They had some issue, other issues to yeah. deal with, with the city schools and the feeding of the children, safety. We in California didn't necessarily um, have to worry about the tests, the amount of the tests, the amount of the COVID tests. Is, that's the biggest failure um, of our CDC in that they created their own, we decided to create our own test and it was, it was a horrible test that we created in February. It had faulty components to it. Whereas Germany, Germany saw this coming and they created a perfect test right from the beginning. And yep. if you go, yep. you go study um, how different European countries have um, fared under the mm -hmm. coronavirus epidemic, you can see Italy's reaction, you can see France, you can see Spain, and then you compare that to Germany. Germany mm -hmm. did, a, did a phenomenal job creating tests very, very early, much like South Korea. And you yep. were bringing up South Korea. South Korea, we should be like South Korea, but South Korea also is testing hundreds of thousands of people every week, whereas we can't oh, test any, anybody. It all comes down to the testing. I know. And and today, what um, what harking back to, and I know we're going to talk about your six tropes from your book, but interestingly enough, right before we jumped onto our Zoom call, and I'll share this, I'll share the screen so we know what we're looking at. Governor Newsom at twelve thirty today outlined the six critical indicators the state of California will consider before modifying the stay-at-home order and other COVID nineteen oh, wow. interventions, and the six indicators are are listed down here. California's six indicators for modifying the state, the state stay-at-home order are the ability to monitor and protect our communities through testing, contact yeah. tracing, isolating, supporting those who are positive exposed, the ability to prevent infection in people who are at risk for more severe COVID-19. Um, which there's a lot of there's a lot more indicators coming out about who are really at risk, uh, the ability of the hospital and health systems to handle surges, the ability to develop therapeutics to meet the demand, the ability for businesses, schools, and childcare facilities to support physical distancing, and the ability to determine when to reinstitute certain measures such as the stay-at-home orders if necessary. So, mm -hmm. you you have your six tropes. He's got his six indicators. There's something about six. I don't know what it is. Well, I think. Well, they, 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 
Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think something that seems to be confusing are people who are resisting this are afraid of that kind of authority um, and right. not really recognizing the danger. It's just, it's just a crazy, it's a crazy thing where people want to defy this and it has nothing to do with health or science, but just, you can't tell me what to do. And it's really, really scary. Yeah, yeah, some Michigan, some pe- whole bunch of people up in Michigan, uh, like ten thousand cars or some kind of, you know, the who knows? Definitely those Michigan militia people that that were, you know, caused some serious problems in our in our country. Descended on the state capitol to protest the governor's stay at home orders, and I think this is just the beginning. I mean, the amount of gun sales, the amount of bullets that were purchased over the last month. If the states continue to to tighten the screws in order to for health reasons you know there's going to be some gunshots. It just I guarantee it. The American focus on individualism and personal freedom is now battling with these stay-at-home orders, and there's no way right. this is going to end 100% peaceably. Yes, I write dystopian science fiction on the side, and, and I'm, but I'm also a realist. Something bad is going to happen. I, I hate to say it, but that's my prediction. Dahlia, what do you think? I, absolutely. Like, I'm just waiting for the looting to start. You know, I mean, just like you look at all these other countries that have set up these sort of financial, you know, protection programs for all their citizens. And then it's like in America, we're getting one $1,200 check, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. That's the yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know. I know that I like, as far as I know, there were no land, there were very few landlords in New York that come April 1st were sympathetic. And I can't imagine they're going to be any come May 1st. And it's like, I just, I don't know what people are going to do. I know so many people that are out of work. And if you're poor, you get less. Wasn't there something like that? Or I don't know if it changed, but it was, if you made under a certain amount, then you were only going to get 600 bucks. Yes, there was that because we were talking about how like students or something were going to get screwed or like senior citizens, maybe people on disability. But I know the thing to me is insane is the $1,200 is consistent depending on where you live. Right. So like in New York, $1,200 isn't even one month's rent. I mean, it's like, that's nothing. Whereas, you know, if you live in like rural West Virginia, yeah, okay, maybe that's a nice chunk of change. But it's like, you know, if I got $1,200, that's, it's like a blip in the radar, you know? So it's it's just, it's so stupid. It is. No, it doesn't cover rent in California either. Oh yeah, no, exactly. It's exactly, yeah. So it's like the $1,200 makes no sense. And then you have all these people who've lost their health insurance because they've lost their jobs. I mean, it's just, it's a mess on so many levels. Well, something that um, has been said by the current administration is nobody could have seen this. Nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> and here you've got a whole book showing that culturally there has been this this view of it. And that not only that, but we've seen people like, was it Bill Gates gave a TED Talk in 2015 giving this idea of what would really injure us in the economy is a virus that attacked the respiratory system. Yeah, people have been talking about this for a long time. Yeah, no, this is no surprise. That's, it's, that's why it's, it's like, it's so infuriating on so many levels because it was, it's just like, everyone knew, everyone knew. You know, well, I mean, I, um, oh no, I'm sorry. When you're talking about the violence and the looting, I'm thinking if we we're going to watch how this unfolds, if culture has told us anything or what, you know, films right. have told us that you're right. That is the direction that it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, as soon like, we're yet, yeah, I mean, it's like people are going to run out of money. Like people who haven't already run out of money are going to run out of money. I mean, people are already moving out of my apartment building because they can't pay rent. I mean, it's like things are going to break if people can't go back to work and if people can't get health care. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know if you saw the whole, that, like the Trump postcard that was like, um, you know, like five things to do, Trump's tips on coronavirus or whatever. And basically like every tip was stay home. It was like, you know, if you have blah, 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 stay home. If you have blah, 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 stay home. Because if you stay home, then your numbers aren't counted, right? And then it's kind of like, well, if you die, then, you know, it's kind of like invisible. Well, they want to waive, uh, have insurance companies waive the fees for the testing, but it still doesn't take care of the problem of what if somebody without insurance, who's also unemployed, then they test positive. It doesn't cover the hospital bill. So yeah, the test is free, but where do you go after that? Yeah, and that brings up a it brings up another good point. Just from what I know, just because my wife's a surgeon and I do a lot of healthcare finance, a lot of hospitals get their money right. They get decent amount of revenue in from elective surgeries, just the cost of surgeries right. and, and and everything that comes through, which are basically canceled right now. So the, a lot of hospitals are deep, 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 deep in the red, and coronavirus patients, which are taking up entire hospital systems are not paying the bills. They're not paying for the doctors. I, I actually know doctors that, that are working in New York pretty much for free. They're basically mm-hmm. have been, they've been drafted to work for free. Yeah. And that's what, that was one of the reasons why you get the 7 p.m. clapping every night by New mm-hmm. York City, because uh, that does help. I've heard from doctors in New York City that says that that does help. They're, they're not getting paid oh, right does now. it? It does. does Yes. They have, it it has said that they have, it really makes them feel as a part of the community and the cities, the city has rallied behind them, but entire hospitals and hospital systems can go into deep bankruptcy as a result of this because nobody's going to pay for insurance company, whether you're insured or you're not insured, the amount of money that's going to be pumped out in order to pay the hospital bills is is never going to cover all of this. A lot of this stuff, a lot of this debt just needs to get deleted as if this never happened. And that's where we're going to need to have the federal government step up. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody <laughs> thinks that this administration's going to even be able to even contemplate something like that. I just, that's what I'm worried about. Like not only, you know, nobody's, nobody has enough money to pay their rent. Nobody has money to pay their, to buy food, but now we don't even have hospital systems that are solvent in order to keep mm-hmm. us alive. Should we, God forbid, get COVID or we break a finger or we have some other normal health ailment. I mean, we as human beings suffer from all kinds of health ailments. Yeah. That stuff doesn't go away just because COVID's here. Right. That's why I'm so worried about is going into an extremely dark part of our history unless something radical is done here to fix and put some true foundation under our country at this point. Yeah, I'm with you 100% terrifying and depressing. One of the things that you had in your book about outbreak narratives is that there's always a map that's showing the the spread of the outbreak. Mm-hmm. And I think about that every time I turn on the news and they're giving us a new map where you're just seeing it spread and spread and spread. I know. Because it's all about how do you make the invisible visible? And so on one hand, you have these maps and then you also have these like you know, now it's so familiar, these like close-up shots of like what the coronavirus really looks like, you know, under an electron microscope, but it's, they oh, both yes. serve the same purpose. Yeah. Well, I was wondering uh, when I was looking at that map, making the invisible visible, if that might not be part of the psychology behind wearing masks, that when everybody's going out and wearing a mask, that you become hyper aware of 
anybody could be a carrier or you're a carrier. It's not the same as at home. Like you said, at home, right. you're not thinking about it, but as soon as you go out and you see everyone with a mask over their face, they are a potential, they're a threat. Right. But I, and I think it, but it's also the masks really emphasize the social distancing, you know, cause it's like, it's not just the mask. It's like when you see someone with the mask, you don't want to sit next to them. You know, when you see someone with a mask, it's like, I mean, now what's funny is if you don't wear a mask, they look at you funny. You know, if you're not wearing a mask, it's like, uh, but it's still, it's like you, you see people and you just, it's not, now it's becoming customary to kind of, you know, do six feet minimum detour. So, I mean, that's what was so weird when I went to the grocery store for the first time. And it was like, not only did we have this line to get in where everyone's six feet apart, but like you're in it and it's like, you know, you want to go down the aisle to get the applesauce. And it's like, well, there are two people in that aisle, so I won't go down that aisle right now. Definitely have done that. Definitely have done that. I've I've avoided it. Yeah. Do you do that regularly? <laughs> I do. I, I, have, I suffer from OCD. Regularly. I do. <laughs> it, that, the strangest thing about this whole COVID thing is, you know, I was walking around with hand sanitizer and opening, <laughs> opening up doors with towels and, and I wouldn't leave, I wouldn't leave a bathroom unless somebody would oh. come in from the outside and, and or was trapped in there. Towel. Yeah, I, I, because they because they have the stupid air dryer and I refuse to use the air dryer. Oh no no no, those are horrible. Horrible. No, after writing, horrible. yeah, yeah no. I, so now it's as if the entire world world has caught up is, with us. Is caught up with this brain of mine, and it's going to be a sick, sick, sick world. I feel sorry for everybody. I'm used to. I've been like this for 20 years, and I've I know, you know I'm relatively survive survive. Right. But I feel sorry for everybody else. That's how I know. Being an introvert, everyone's like, "We got to stay inside." I'm like, "Cool. What do you mean?" <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, eighty percent of my life is the same as it was before. Yeah, that, not not me. I <laughs> I, I I am suffering. I get my okay. energy from people. I love oh, I being see. outside. My favorite part of my job is business developing. I love being out there. I love meeting with people. I hate shaking hands. I hate getting oh, close God. to anybody that has a cough. Yeah. But I really, truly get my energy from people. And okay. it's, this is extremely, extremely, extremely Aww. hard for me. And it's against my core. Although I will say last night, my wife kind of said, my wife said something that kind of depressed me a little bit. She goes, you know, ever since this pandemic, it had pandemic has happened. She goes, my social life has gone like through the roof. Like I get to see you more and I'm actually having a lot more fun. And, and that was, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say about that other than right. uh, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, yeah, cause she's not, she's now, now she's not working very much cause all of her surgeries are canceled. I'm home all right. the time. Um, so, you know, it's just all about perspective, I guess. I don't know. I'm personally suffering. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm definitely right. hurting here. Yeah. Do you think the handshake is out the window now? Like better be. God, I hope so. I better hope be. so. You know, I I'm wondering handshakes. what will be when we'll say a before the pandemic we did such and such, and I'm wondering if the handshake is out the door. It better be. I swear to God, I, hate I hated it. I hate the handshake. <laughs> I hate it. Well, what are Europeans going to do? What about the kiss on the cheek? Well, uh, the thing that, one of the things that horrified me the most is all these people that I thought were washing their hands that weren't washing their hands, like all these people that had to be taught how to wash their hands. And I was like, have you not been doing this all along? And so it's like, now I definitely don't want to shake anyone's hand or kiss. Like it's, I'm just, it's just people, like all these people that went out and bought all these like soaps and cleaning products, like you didn't have that at home already? Yeah, like so really, I already had everything. 
It's so true. I mean, literally, I would I would always walk around with hand sanitizer in my pockets. And people, I'm so good at that. Like, whenever somebody would force me to shake their hand, like a client or something, I'd be really good about putting my hand in my pocket and opening up the hand sanitizer and cleaning my hand. Because I can't sit there and actually have oh a conversation God, with somebody unless I clean my hands. Yes. Guess what? <laughs> oh, my when God. The rest, no, no, no. The rest of the world is now becoming like Rudy Sallow. It's a sick, <laughs> sick, sick world. I feel sorry for the world. No, I, I would see people touching buttons on elevators. Oh. And I would be like, that's like crossing the street with your eyes closed. I just, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. You're, that's like so reckless. How can yeah. you do that? Um, yeah. I was like a master of like the sleeve or the elbow or, you know, yeah, it's so the rest of the world is catching up. It's so true. I was definitely behind the curve. <laughs> you know what I worry about? Here's something that really, I, I'm really, really worried about. Um, and should you ever read it, I don't mean to, be, to, I don't want to give too much away of it, but this is a little bit of a spoiler alert in the raffle. Here's what I'm worried about, and I'm serious about this. Um, with everybody in the world now using Lysol, with everybody washing their hands, with everybody doing hand sanitizer, what I worry about what the next pandemic is going to be is a super bacterial bug that cannot be killed by one of these hand sanitizers or anything like that. There's already a lot of evidence out there about how even before this pandemic, hand sanitizer and the antibacterial soaps were making bacteria stronger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what this is going to produce for us. And I'm really, 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 really scared about that. I really am. I, I th that's, that's a terrible thing to think about, but it's going to happen. No, I think antibacterial soaps, I, like I wouldn't recommend using those. You, well, don't I mean, viruses come along about every 10 years? Like well, SARS, uh, Ebola, like well, there will be another viruses. Way. Viruses won't be are not necessarily affected by antibacterial soap. But right. now we're dealing with with viruses. The next thing that I'm worried about is some super strain of bacteria. Oh, because I see. Because we're because right. we're, we're making bacteria so much stronger with all the antibacterial soap and all right. the hand sanitizers and all the cleaning that we're doing out there. That is what I fear is, is what comes next after COVID-19. I, I mm -hmm. hate to say and it, but that's what I think happens. We're building up immunity to antibiotics. So yes. that, we're definitely headed in that direction. Yes. Yes. So I, here's what I think is going to happen. I think we all need to transfer our brains and souls into computers. I do. I don't know if you've studied. <laughs> I don't know if you've studied the 2045 initiative. This is a real thing. This is a no, no joke. Go on to the Google and study the 2045 initiative. There are people out there that are working on trying to transfer us into computers. I swear that's going to be the next phase of things. There's plenty of stories out there because our bodies, our human bodies, are not going to be able to live in this world anymore. Right. Well, my prediction. <laughs> I want to get to one of the tropes. There's two things that really stand out to me. One of them is this othering. And the other one is how contagious disease can bring us together. Those two things, mm -hmm. they are both happening. So this othering that you talked about happens in films, like the disease comes from the Middle East or it comes from Africa or something like that. What do you see happening? What parallel do you see happening now with COVID-19? Oh, it's... I mean, like the, the parallels are so uncanny that it's, it's almost like you want to, you know, slap people and be like, you know, be original for a second. Uh, but the whole, I mean, everything, everything like that the administration was saying, you know, with the, they were calling it the Chinese flu and the Wuhan flu and they called it um, Kung flu. I mean, it was just like the, the racial 
language was just like so offensive. And there are all these documented cases of Asian Americans who were assaulted. And I even have, there's, you know, a nice guy who lives on my street and he wasn't even trying to be racist. But when the, this was all starting, he asked me if he could still eat Chinese food. You know, I mean, it's like, this okay. is, we love to have these things kind of like, like, oh, it's coming from there, right? It's not like our fault. It's coming from there. It's the Chinese fault. Uh, you know, it's their hygiene standards fault or whatever. Because, and that's, I mean, just the way that that was playing out in real life, it was crazy. But it was like, yes, Asian Americans face a ton of um, sort of racial insults and violence because of the virus. Right. I know that this sounds super naive, but it's just for if anybody says, wait a minute, but it came from China. Why can't we call it that? I mean, what is your answer to somebody who would have that idea? Like what makes it so bad? Uh, I'm just asking for anybody, you know, because I've heard people say, wait, I don't really get the problem. It started out there. So why is it racist to say that? Um, I mean, I think, well, first of all, I, we can use, um, you know, AIDS as an example. I mean, just for, if, if we called AIDS the African virus, for instance, okay. uh, partly, you know, that would have, it would have kind of been like this gross oversimplification, but also what ends up happening is it's kind of, I'm trying to give an example, like, uh, like if you're a detective on a case and you decide that, you know, Jack is only killing brunettes, then blondes are going to feel sort of, they're cool. They're not under threat. You know, this is a virus that just kills brunettes. You know, this is a virus that just comes from Detroit or whatever. Like, people are going to be less um, concerned about it because they tend to think of it as like being specific to this geographic area or this, this specific kind of demographic of person or whatever. And so partly it just, that creates a lot of problems, but also like we, I mean, we don't like, where did AIDS come from? Like we kind of know, but I don't know. It just, to me, it seems irrelevant. Yeah, it is. No, I completely agree. I'm just thinking it's frustrating when I, I've seen stuff on Twitter or on a line where people are not really getting why it's problematic to say that. So I was just wondering what, what would be your answer to that? But you're right. It's also a way to evade responsibility too, by exactly. the way that the U S responded to the cases exactly. in the United States is to keep saying it was their thing. And it is really frightening because all I could think of is it's going to tank so many businesses. So, because there are so many you're going to tank Asian Americans businesses because even calling it the Chinese virus, it doesn't mean that it would only impact Chinese. It would impact Asian Americans. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so frustrating. Look at the way that it, that it's destroyed Corona beer and that brand. I mean, it it absolutely had impact. People stopped drinking Corona beer because it was called a coronavirus. That wraps up part one of our interview with Dahlia Schweitzer. Go to her website, thisisdahlia.com, to learn more about her, and you can get a copy of her book, Going Viral, Zombies, Viruses, and the End of the World. If you have any questions about this interview, you can tweet me at gdolsky or send an email, goodisinthedetailspod at gmail.com. Send an email. I'd like some email. Yeah. And if you have any mentions for fitness instructors, for teachers that you would like at the end of the next pod, you can DM me on Instagram, tweet me, or again, email. Kind of want some email. I just want to give a mention for the people we're missing in this quarantine life. Last time it was hairdressers. And this time, I mean, what classes are you missing? What teachers really stand out? 
and your fitness instructors. I miss Pendulum and I'm glad to be back via Zoom. Although it's kind of weird working out in my office, but hey, it's good to see everyone. Okay, stay safe. I look forward to hearing from you. Part two will be coming up shortly. Bye.